five four three two one zero and liftoff. Dispatches, a production of Blur Bank, is an in-depth look at those living artistic lives. Each episode will feature photographs and audio interviews with narrative pioneers who have taken creativity and publishing in their own hands. From artists to authors, photographers to philosophers, Dispatches will reveal the faces and foundations of those who lead the creative way. Hello, everyone. I'm recording from San Francisco today uh, from the Blurb Command Center, which is a rare occurrence. And we also have a very rare guest today I'm with uh, photographer Pete Souza. Pete, how are you today? I'm doing good. So he came to the Blurb office, lucky for everyone at Blurb, and gave us a, a history of his time at the Obama, uh, Obama administration. And normally, when I interview a photographer, I'm typically drilling down on one thing in particular because, you know, a specific project. But the interesting thing about you, after doing some research, is that you've done so many different things. You're most recently known for the work in the Obama uh, White House, but also um, you were Reagan's photographer, and you've done a lot of other things. But one of the things that I didn't find a lot of information about was your your early start in in photography. And I'm curious the moment when photography became more than a hobby, when you decided that this was what you wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, it was never really a hobby. I had gone to Boston University uh, to their journalism school with the hopes of becoming a sports writer in my... Uh, junior year, I took a photography class, um, and I, I mean, the, the bug just hit me right away. So I, I knew, I think probably when that first print came up in the developer in the darkroom, that this was, I, I somehow wanted to, to do this for the, uh, the rest of my life. And uh, it took me, you know, like four or five years to get to the point where I was any good, but I knew right away that's what I wanted to do. And was there something, was it about the idea of recording something, or was it just the action of being in the field? I think, or I think at the time it was, it was the, the magic that happened in a darkroom. That, um, you know, there were all these components to it, uh, developing the film and uh, making, making a, a, a print on dry paper with the enlarger and then putting it through a series of uh, trays that contained these chemicals that would turn... Uh, your negative into a positive image. So was th- for me, it was the mag- the magic of that first that uh, that struck me. And so you're you're incredibly well known for the recent work with Obama. But you also uh, something that a lot of people don't realize is that you also spent time in the Reagan uh, in the Reagan uh, the White House. And how did that job come about? Yeah, that came a little differently. That was uh, Michael Evans was Reagan's uh, uh, chief White House photographer and. He had a woman by the name of Carol Greenewalt as his photo editor, and I knew her professionally. Uh, so they had an opening where they wanted to hire somebody to work on underneath Michael, and she suggested to Michael that uh, he interview me. So, so that's sort of the connection on that one. And uh, so I want to skip forward a little bit. Uh, we don't have a ton of time, so I want to skip forward and, and eventually here get to Obama. But the I, I was a photographer as well, went to photojournalism school, and w- two of the things that photographers always talk about, first and foremost, with any, whether it's an assignment or a, long-time, a long-term gig, uh, is time and access. And living in Los Angeles, I've become friends with David Hume Kennerly, who was Gerald Ford's photographer, and the, and the rumor has it, or the legend has it, that uh, Ford went to the Secret Service and just said, look, wherever I go, Kennerly goes with no questions asked. So when the, you first met Obama in Chicago at your time at the Tribune, and then you got approached about being the White House photographer. How did that go in terms of navigating the access that you were going to be given? 
Um, well, I mean, I had a commitment from uh, the then president-elect that I would have access to everything. But I think what, what happens is once you set foot in the Oval Office, you know, that a different reality takes place. So I had to prove myself in terms of um, uh, covering all these, uh, you know, his, uh, uh, sensitive meetings and, uh, you know, the, uh, covering the fam family life and doing it in a way that, um, may, that, that people were not uncomfortable. And, you know, I, I tell people I, I use a small footprint, meaning I don't, uh, I used the quietest cameras I could find, and uh, I didn't use flash. I didn't, uh, you know, bump into the furniture, you know, just trying to make as small a footprint as possible. And then after that, it's more of, uh, it's more of intuition. You just sort of, uh, you know, you kind of figure it out, uh, just something that I have a knack for being able to do. Um, I think it helped that I had been, you know, a seasoned photographer and had worked in the White House before and had been around powerful people before. Uh, so I just sort of felt, uh, you know, comfortable in that, in that uh, domain. So one of the things that's interesting um, to looking at, at your work and looking at a volume of the work is that it appears, at least in some ways, that there were oftentimes probably sequ many sequential days in a row or over the period of eight years, you found yourself in this exact same environment. Right, the, whether it's the Oval Office or the the West Wing in general, how do you, as a photographer, how do you work around being in those same places and try not to get into the same rut of like, yes, I've framed this up before, I've shot this before. Are there any tricks that you had to sort of alleviate that? Um, and they're, they're all tricks of your mind. <laughs> what do you mean, I mean by that? No, I mean it, it. I mean there are some days that that is sort of like watching paint dry, and you just have to realize that you're going to have days like that as a documentary photographer. Um, I think you framed it exactly right, where they're, they're, you know, oftentimes it's the same people sitting in the same chairs, and what they're talking about, the subject matter may be different, um, but, um, but, you know, the picture kind of, the, the, the scene kind of looks the same. So, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, trying to look for those little moments. The, the, the great thing about President Obama is he was not necessarily, I mean, he had some sort of habits, but he was also uh, w was n was not necessarily tied to like the Oval Office. If he wanted to go talk to the chief of staff, he might just walk down to his office. Or you know, if he wanted to go, you know, so you just never knew what was gonna was gonna happen. Um, and I sort of that's that's what kept you on your toes. So looking at the work that you just showed in the blurb office, there were and I've seen your work many times before, but there were two things that jumped out at me. And one was this, the idea of how much waiting you probably had to do over the eight years of waiting for things. And the second point that ties into the waiting is that you have, and I've seen a lot of photography, I've seen a lot of White House photography and presidential photography, but there, so much of your work is about gesture. So the, the image that you said that you didn't like, particularly like that much, was the one where uh, Obama had to go and, and give a talk later in the day after something had happened, and he was sort of, his arms were on his side, to, on his hips, and he had turned around to talk to someone. But if you look at that frame, every single person is making a gesture. So how much of the day are you spent, uh, uh, this, a second picture that I can throw in here is, are the puffed out cheeks of Obama on that one, that one moment where he's looking at the screens on the wall. And I'm, I'm not sure how many people realize, but 
to, if you see something through the viewfinder, you actually missed the photograph. So when I see the picture of Obama with his cheeks blown out, that yeah, tells me that you are sitting there you're anticipating. The, to the camera to your eye. Right. I mean, how much of your day are you just not shooting, but that camera is to your face? Uh, I mean, I get, you know, I guess probably a lot of, a lot of the day. And um, I mean, I think the, the, the first picture that you mentioned, it wasn't so much that uh, that I didn't like the picture. It was that uh, I had shot it with the wrong lens. Uh, and and you, you, you don't see Reggie Love on the left side of the frame. He's, he's you know, it, it, he's not within the, within the frame. And uh, Alice Gabriner, who was uh, then the, the, the White House photo editor that worked with me, convinced me that you, don't, you didn't need to see Reggie Love, that the expression was Gibbs in the football. Uh, and so that was why initially I was uh, not high on that picture because I'm, I, you know, I'm always, uh, I was always wanting the framing to be perfect. And I think Alice sort of uh, reinforced to me that's what really what's important is the moment more than the framing. And if it's not quite perfect, maybe it's more authentic that way. So this is a logistical question, and, and you can 60 seconds it or less because I, I know it's rather complex. But as a, as a photographer, uh, a fellow photographer, and all of my friends are photographers, uh, the logistics of what you do is, is interesting to me. So um, I'm going to give you a hypothetical that you are in the Oval Office and you shoot uh, a, a moment that happens. Your workflow from that time is, you, are you handing off cards? Are you transmitting? Are you yourself going back and editing, captioning? I know you mentioned there was an archivist in the office, but the logistics of 1.9 million photographs of handling that on a daily basis just seems daunting to me. Uh, I mean, we sort of established this uh, routine where uh, the after I had uh, at lunchtime, I would drop cards off for the photo editor, and then uh, and then I would do that at the end of the day. I mean, sometimes there might be uh, something going on where the White House website would want something a little sooner, and so I make you know it's possible I would do a, another card drop mid afternoon, but it would. We weren't like uh, we weren't trying to respond to things like right away. It was just that we didn't want to leave all the work for the end of the day and, sure. and help the photo editors out if I could drop the cards, you know, at lunchtime or something like that. Okay, so I have one more political question, and then I want to talk about books, and and we're done. The political question. I'm hoping that you don't say no very quickly because I've been thinking about this over the past couple of days. So. The answer is no. <laughs> Thinking about Trump and the and Trump administration, and I know that uh, I don't know who the photographer is for Trump, but let's say that hypothetically you were asked to do that campaign and you were given total access. And let's say that you sort of look at Trump who he is now and maybe you agree with him or don't agree with him and you say, look, this is, this is strange. Is it still a good position? Because even if we see what's going on today with the chaos in there and, like, you know, just the craziness that's happening, if you're given access, it could still – would that still be something that would interest you? Uh, I gave my answer. I mean, the, the – uh, I mean, people have said to me, even Hitler had a photographer, uh, which is true. Um, but it, it – it, I, I don't know that I could live with myself, you know, and I don't know that I could be objective, Right. I think if you're in that position, 
um, you 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 want to you want to uh, uh, make pictures for history. You're documenting for everybody else. You're the people's representative, in in a sense, uh, a historian with a camera. And I, I I think if I was in that situation, I I, I it would just not be possible for me to be objective. No, that makes and, sense. You know. I was just just curious. Um, oh, let's talk about books. So you did a book with the Reagan. Reagan Group, and you've also done several around Obama. Uh, obviously, you, you also embraced Instagram. Uh, Instagram. I love the fact that you said that you were reluctant at first and that you worked your way through it, and Instagram has ultimately proven to be a pretty useful tool for you and the administration, and now moving forward after, after Obama's left, it's been, it's been very helpful. Um, but the book, a lot of times people today sometimes can say, well, why would you do a book that's this, in some ways, antiquated object? You know, it is a tangible, physical thing. But how do you, as a, as a photographer, look at these, and why are they so important for you? Well, I mean, the book I did last year, uh, Obama and Intimate Portrait, was, was uh, uh, essentially my look at his eight years in office and showing some of the highlights and lowlights uh, showing some of the aesthetic moments, but also a lot of the personal moments uh, and what he was like as a person, as a human being. And I, I you know, I set my, when, when I do something, I set my bar high. And I wanted that to be the best photographic book that had ever been done on, on a president. Um, the, 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 the funny thing about it is while I was putting that book together, I had this side job going on, and the side job was posting my shady comments on Instagram. So I had like, you know, two sets of, you know, my brain were working different ways. One was like straight documentary book that I was trying to put together. And on the other hand, I was doing for, it wasn't that much, but maybe 15 minutes a day I was spending on, you know, trying to make my commentary on Instagram, which is kind of a, a strange dynamic. Well, my uh, next question that I wrote after you gave your talk was, how do you do two things at once? And, th and that I had a reluctance to Instagram when it came out, and I don't do Instagram now because I found when I was in the field working, a part of my brain was on Instagram. So you obviously handled it fairly well because you were able to put out the book and you're able to still do Instagram. So what, what do you think, what, what triggered it? Well, I was uh, in disbelief at... Um, how Trump was behaving in 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 uh, in the presidency. I, you know, he he. It's we've never had something like this where we have a president who denigrates uh, the press, calls them the enemy of the people, who doesn't believe his own intelligence agencies that you know thinks they're what they're doing is political. They're political hacks. Who thinks the attorney general works for him? when he, in fact, works for us, um, who bullies people, who uh, is just not a good person, doesn't know how to uh, con console people when there's a, a tragedy in the country, is not empathetic. And I couldn't just sit there and not say anything. I'm a private citizen now, and I have a unique voice in that. I've worked for two presidents, both of whom respected the office. You can argue politics all you want but they respected the office. They were decent human beings. And uh, I just couldn't sit by and not speak out because I do have this following on Instagram and I felt that I needed to, to voice my opinion. And I've tried to do it 
you know, with some humor and, you know, some snarkiness. Um, and I think, I think it, in some instances it's helped people sort of cope through, you know, let's, I think these are dark times. It's working, whatever you're doing. Okay, last question. You showed an image of the day that Obama left office and the uh, chopper took off and the pilot made a detour, flew back over the White House, and he turned to Michelle and said, we used to live there. And in essence, for eight years, even though you didn't live there, uh, you were very much a part of that place. So how does someone move on from the position that you were in? Well, you know, the hardest part is that uh, on any given day, I was interacting with you know, upwards of 50 to 100 people. Uh, you know, it might be just somebody you see at the White House mass getting a sandwich and you catch up with, you know, something that's happening with their life. You, you know, I'm talking to the president every day and people around him. And um, it's just there, it's a, it becomes like a family. And it's a, it, was, it became a very big work family. There were a lot of people. And a lot of people came and, and a lot of people left. And, you know, I think the average person probably stayed at the White House two or three years, and they'd move on. Uh, but they were still part of that family. And, you know, on Janu January 20th comes, president leaves. And all of a sudden, the next day, when you wake up, you're, 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 you've been separated permanently from your family, you know, from your work family. And that was the, for me, that was the most difficult thing, and really the only thing I miss. I mean, it's, the, the, the job is so all-consuming that I was, you know, I was happy to be leaving. Um, and, and, you know, I don't want to say that in a negative way, but it's just, you know, it's just an all-consuming job. And to, to be done with that, there was a sense of relief. But at the same time, I just sort of like all of a sudden, the gauntlet came down and all my family was gone. And um, it, that, that's been the hardest, uh, you know, the hardest part to, to deal with really. Okay, hypothetical. After we get through these dark times, something happens in the future. Third president comes along that says, "Pete Souza, I want you to be my photographer. Are you in or out?" I'm, uh, no, I'm not <laughs> in. I, you know, I'm. Th this job just wears you out. I, it's it's a job for somebody that's 20 years younger than me, and um, you know, I sort of like I love Joe Biden, and I, you know, he'd he'd be a good president. But I hope if he does get elected, that he doesn't call me because. <laughs> It, it would be hard to say no to Joe, even though I really don't uh, have any aspirations to, to do this job again. Well, we're glad you didn't say no to coming to the blurb office. I really appreciate you coming. We, you, had, you gave a great talk. Uh, everyone loved it and just wanted to say thanks from everybody at Blurb. For sure. I'm happy to do it. I mean, you guys really helped us out with some secret projects, which I can't talk about. Yeah, those, those, <laughs> those are not going to go in this interview. But thanks again for, uh, for yep. coming and spending some time. Thank you.